What? No. What was your favorite present from Christmas? A dragon! You don't have to sing everything. Welcome to Hot Marriage Cool Parents. I'm your host, Jamie Otis. My husband is off the off the hook today for this interview. I have my friend, Courtney Robertson, coming on, and she was on the season of six, the, the season of 16, the 16th season of The Bachelor with me, and she was the winner of The Bachelor. She was also probably one of the biggest villains in Bachelor's history. I mean, not on the women's side, I would say. There's far worse villains on the, the men's side, but she was definitely a villain and maybe the only villain to ever win, quote unquote, win The Bachelor heart and she's just my experience with her is far different than a villain like she's always been very kind and friendly to me I think that she herself will say that she's been very sassy and she's since apologized for being sassy towards some some people but they were also probably very sassy to her as well and she didn't feel um you know respected I guess by some of the other women in our house but needless to say I'm gonna bring her on because she has so much to share and to offer from The Bachelor and she's such a different person now and honestly I her and I have always gotten along I when I was on The Bachelor she was for sure a front runner beautiful smart talented driven quiet though and I feel like all of those qualities along with a quiet person can tend to make other people around them feel like they think that they think that they're better. Like they, they seem like they're a know-it-all or they think they're better and they're not going to talk to you. But really, I think she's an introvert who, you know, was in a, it's a very odd situation being in a house of, you know, 25 women and all vying for the same guy. And that word vying comes up a couple of times in our interview, but, um, but yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and bring her right on because our interview is long, but it's all very, very interesting. She talks an awful lot about the bachelor behind the scenes of what that show is like. And even for me, someone who is a contestant on the bachelor, I find it very interesting because even though I was on the bachelor, there's parts that I didn't even know that she shares about. Like, for example, she and Ben, who was our bachelor, who she ended up being engaged to, they were like, they talked about like kind of like who he was keeping in the house and, and just kind of like, uh, I don't know, like the, the manipulation of, of producers kind of. And yeah, it's all, it's a vast, fascinating conversation, especially if you like watching reality television and also not for nothing, but if you're here and you listen or you've watched Married at First Sight and you've seen The Bachelor, like to be very, very honest, the Married at First Sight is it's so different than The Bachelor in so many different ways. And I know that I was on season one, so it could be things have could have changed since since then. But in my experience, uh, and this is what question I get asked a lot is, you know, like, is it like, are either of them authentic? And I, I was very naive and thought The Bachelor was authentic. Clearly, it's very much manipulated and, and contrived. But Merit at First Sight is, in my experience from my season, it is very authentic. It was 100% like it is just exactly what you see really i mean there was no putting words in my mouth like which that did happen on the bachelor where they like put words in my mouth there was no like like no one's manipulating you into trying to do one thing or another as a matter of fact i was scared they were trying to manipulate me into falling in love with with Doug with my husband because i don't know why i'm talking to you like as if you don't know my husband's Doug um but probably because she interviewed me on her podcast just prior to this and so um you know, like her audience doesn't, doesn't know me. So I was like explaining who Doug was and all that. But, um, but yeah, like I just find this, this whole interview that I just did with her very fascinating. And I want to share it with you right now. I am so pumped because I have Courtney Robertson Preciado on the podcast today. And she is not only a beautiful model and actress, she's literally 
been on the cover of fitness magazine. And she's also graced the pages of Vogue self and install magazine. And those are just to name a few, but she's also one of the reality TV villains. Everyone loved to hate on season 16 of the bachelor. They hated her because they were jealous of her. She's brains and beauty. And she won over the bachelor's heart. Winning season 16 of The Bachelor isn't where her story ends. She is now married to Humberto Preciado. She has two beautiful children and one on the way. And fun fact about Courtney is that I actually met her on that same season of The Bachelor. And not everyone knows this, but I was also on uh, season 16 of The Bachelor. And so Courtney and I lived together in a house and traveled the world together very briefly. And I have had so many questions for her, like truly, because I don't know what it's like to be on that show and actually be like the bachelor's love flame, but Courtney does. And so <laughs> I'm pumped to talk to her all about it. Courtney, welcome to hot marriage, cool parents. We're so excited to have you here. Well, I am so excited. I'm in the hot seat with, uh, I feel like you're a friend of mine and we go way, way back. So we have got a lot to talk about. So thanks for having me on. Yeah. So it's really funny though, because I feel like I've never asked you questions that it's just cause like, why would I, I guess like we were kind right. of beyond the bachelor, but I feel like some of the questions that I have for you, and I also put it out on Instagram, as you know, like for anybody. So at the end of this, I'm, for those of you listening, I have, I'm answering your questions as well. So if you were on my Instagram and you saw the question box pop up, um, I might be answering one of your questions, but, um, one of my Send questions them over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Courtney. I'm just, you're really in the hot seat, but one of my biggest questions was what was it like for you to be in the house and what was your experience? I feel like we all have our own experiences on the bachelor, but it is like a bunch of women together in a house vying over one guy and it's, but you were very early on. I feel like you had like a connection with Ben, which then automatically kind of puts a target on your back. So what was it like for you? Oh my word, Jamie, where do I even start? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's an unnatural process to go on a show with 25 women who are all vying for the same guy's attention and I was just so out of my element. And I remember, I have to thank you. You were so sweet to me. You were one of the nicest people in the house to Aww. me. Uh, I mean, I had like night one, I remember I was talking to a girl and I was like, so like just normal, like I want to get to know people and I I, I want to be friendly with everybody. But just the dynamic is so odd. And I asked somebody like, what do you do for a living? And she, was, she wouldn't even talk to me. She, she just stopped responding to me. And I was like, so I knew from night one, I already had a target on my back. Um, but yeah, so I was like, if I don't like this guy, I'm leaving. Like I had dated celebrities. Mm -hmm. I moved to LA when I was 19, a little backstory to model. And I kind of was just like, oh, I saw the end of Ashley A. Bear season. I didn't watch The Bachelor religiously, but I saw that she rejected Ben. And I thought, oh my God, this guy looks like a nice, normal guy. He's from Sonoma. He owns a winery. Like I like wine. <laughs> like, hey, why not? Like, let's just try something different because- what I'm doing in LA isn't working. And so I knew if I didn't like him that I was going to leave. I was like, this is, it was almost, I will say, Jamie, like, and I now looking back, like I could say this, like it was almost a little embarrassing, like to be one of 25 women, you're living with them and to be like vying for this guy's attention. It was, it was a weird feeling for me, for sure. I definitely yeah. was embarrassed after the fact. But you shouldn't be embarrassed. I mean, you definitely want to be embarrassed with me because I was one of the girls with you, but, um, I really wasn't, I don't feel like I was really vying very hard for him. I was just kind of 
like wow. you were like a fly on the wall yeah. you were like not in in the drama at all like everybody loved you Aww. and I wish I wish I had that experience I do like I mean the very early on the producers were telling me like the girls are talking shit about you like if you don't start you're gonna look really weak and I think that there's a lot of producer manipulation that goes on that I wasn't prepared for yeah. I was tw 28 at the time now I'm 40 and I look back and I'm just like oh my god I can't believe all that happened but really early on I was attracted to him I felt like we had like a connection like it was kind mm -hmm. of just like this chemical thing where I felt like I saw him on TV and I felt like, okay, I'm supposed to be here, but now I have to navigate learning like how to live and travel with these women that also are falling for him and mm -hmm. to hear about their dates. And, you know, I honestly, I probably drank too much. I will say that on the season. Well, that's uh, that really was easy to do. <laughs> Yeah, that was a coping mechanism for me. And I, I didn't feel now I, you know, I had models, but like, it's one thing to do like a photo shoot and then they like Photoshop pictures, but it's another thing to like be sitting in ITMs. That's what we call them, like interviews in the moments for like hours talking about your feelings and to be on camera. Like I, I really didn't enjoy it. That was very unnatural to me. And because I think they knew early on, like, oh, we can get her to say a lot of stuff. They were, every producer was constantly trying to pull me into interviews. Yeah, that is true. So, and those ITMs, they ask you questions and then they can kind of, they also kind of, I feel like spill beans to you. And like, like you said, they, they, you were saying that they yes. told you that the girls didn't like you. And so in a sense, that's a, definitely a little bit of manip manipulation because yeah. that makes you feel insecure. Like, how could you feel confident going into a house of women that you feel like they're saying they don't like you? That's, that's awful. It's an awful way to try to like live. And then you have a connection with this guy, which I definitely didn't. And like, so maybe that's why we, we, we got along so well, because I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel threatened by you because I was like, Oh, have him. Like, I don't think he wants me anyways. So, um, so that that's probably how that worked out. And I feel like maybe, uh, with Casey Steamer, maybe she was the same way, you know? And so that's how, how, maybe that's how it worked out for us, but also, I don't, I think that we're all like kind people. And even if I had a connection with a guy, if I had a connection with a guy and my friend did as well, that's so unnatural and just so abnormal. Like, how do you, like, that just doesn't pan out. I guess that's why the show has been on for as many seasons as it has been because like the drama involved in that is just wild. But yeah. knowing that you had that connection and you know that these women all like don't like you in the house, except from, a, you know, a few of us were like, the truly, you were, you were very kind to me and I was so thankful for that. Um, I felt like I did have a couple friends and I did yeah. feel like the producers were my friends, but yeah. I just like the negativity. Like I just had to stay away from the girls that I knew didn't like me. It was very apparent. And especially I, I want to note, especially when the cameras were on because you, you, there's so much time not on camera. Like when you're traveling, when mm. you're waking up in the morning, when the cameras aren't around, like. I saw sides of people that I didn't like personally, but then mm -hmm. the cameras would start rolling and I'm like, oh my gosh, you see this different side where like maybe they're mugging it up a little bit. And, mm -hmm. and to me that felt a little fake too. That's so interesting. I don't think I even had the wherewithal to dissect like when the cameras are there versus when the cameras weren't there, like to just even pay attention to, well, I get, I never even really paid attention to that come to think of it, mm -hmm. but I feel like for you and your own dynamic, knowing that you had this connection with Ben. I mean, you guys, you guys had a first, your first one-on-one -on -one very early on, and you had this connection with him. I feel like very early on. And I think that 
I don't know what happened, but like, what, how, how did you stay confident? And like, what, what kept you, I guess, there when, when the house was just kind of, you know, it, you didn't have like necessarily friends in the house, not that you didn't have any, but you know, cause you had a few of us, but yeah. I mean, Casey Steamer, she's still one of my best, best friends and I love her. she like fortunately had my back. I just knew I needed a couple handful of good friends and people like, it's hard to feel safe and like, who can I talk to? And uh, Casey and I bonded right away and we, we roomed together a lot. And I know you did as well with her. Mm-hmm. And she, I, I remember her being like, we haven't even kissed yet. And I was like, well, go, she's my friend. I'm like, well, go kiss up. Like yeah. I first part of it for me was like, I love having you around. Like, and she loves to travel if you know, Casey Steamer. And part of it for me was like, selfishly, I just wanted her to stay longer. And he did tell me like, I didn't really feel a connection with her, but I knew that like, she was your best friend. So he kept her as long as he could, which Ooh, this is where it gets good. So <laughs> I know exactly what I want to ask you, because I never had a one-on-one date the whole time I was on the bachelor. I'm not even sure why the dude gave me roses because we had nothing like we had nothing in common. I mean, we, I, there was no connection there. As a matter of fact, one time I remember him saying, are you here for the girls? Like, I think he was you know, just being, I don't know. He wasn't, he didn't care. I don't think he cared, but he was well, like, you weren't okay. aggressive. Like you weren't the aggressor. Like, whereas some yeah. girls were like on group dates, we were on a ton of group dates together, but yes. that sucks that you didn't get a that bachelor experience one-on-one date with the helicopters and yeah, no, that would have been awesome. But I feel like I had a great experience. I'm telling you, I was just like, how am I even here? I had never done anything like really in my whole life. And then all of a sudden I'm being, I'm going to country after country. I'm like, this is awesome. And maybe I was partially there without like almost unknowingly. Like I wanted, I really wanted love and family and connection, but I mean, I'm not, I was not complaining about the traveling. I thought it was fabulous, but so (laughs) you actually had one-on-ones and a lot of time with the bachelor. And I'm kind of curious, like, what is that experience like? And do you talk to him? Like knowing that you had a connection with him early on, did you talk to him about his other connections? And I mean, the simple fact that you, that you told me that he kept Casey steamer there, but just mostly because he knew that his, the girl that he really likes, likes her. And so he kept her there for you. That's wild to me to like, hear that behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he, they don't let you, you know, they always say, save it for the camera. Like they don't Uh really let you get a lot of off camera time with the bachelor, but I will say, especially for anyone going on the show, like, you know, it's like Chris Harrison always says, use the most, like make the most out of your time. Mm-hmm. So like I, throughout the whole filming process, I always had an eyes on him. Like when we were in the airport and the girls were all chit chatting, I would always look for Ben at his gate. You know, he was usually on our flights, but in, in first class. I are really, you kidding me? I d- Girl, you are so smart. I had no idea. Yeah. So I would be like shooting him eyes across the airport. Like I, I really was very, uh, I was going after him. I liked him. I was excited to see him. But so I will say that like with the skinny dipping thing was a a big turning point for me, but I went to him early on. So in in Utah, the, the girl made the classic mistake and she went to Ben and said, Courtney's not the same around you as she is in the house Mm -hmm. and started talking badly about me, which it's like, well, of course I'm not going to be the same towards the guy I'm dating as the women that I know that are talking I've literally overheard talking bad about me. So Mm. I just thought like we had, I had some beef with the girls in the house and I made the conscious decision then that I wasn't going to be that person. I had watched enough of the show to be like, well, that's not a good look. Like if I get this limited time with this guy, like why am I going to spend my time uh, talking about the girls in the house or the drama in the house? Like I could have been saying like I overheard this or I could have done the same thing, but also it was like, 
my journey. Like I was using my time wisely to see if like I liked him. Yeah. Um, and it was like a little escape for me to get away from the girls to spend time with him. But like on our first one-on-one day, I remember they let us ride in the same car and like there was no cameras and Mm -hmm. we were just like having a ball. Like I will say the time with him off camera, like I got to see a more relaxed side of him. We were talking about, we had like this, like a random band that we liked and nobody really knows of. And we were like playing that, those songs. And so we had like little moments like that. But, and I told him, I said, I'm not going to ever use my time with you to talk about the other girls early on. I told him that. So that was my strategy. I kind of had a game plan. And so that's- I kind of just felt like I'm going to let these other girls do that. And like, if that's their approach, but like, it's not, they're not making their time about their connection. They're making it about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually brilliant that you had such a strategy. I'm like sorry if that I yard sailed a little bit, but that's very no. clearly how I remember it going down. And then when we skinny dipped, we did not have microphones out there. And he told me everything. He told me, um, and cause nobody could hear us. We were out yeah. in the ocean skinny dipping and he said, it's you. And I knew it was you early on. And mm-hmm. it's like really hard for me now because I have to like go through all the motions with everybody. So that's how I remained confident was like, he would give me like little signs to, but mm-hmm. that, that like him saying like, it's you. And now I, I mean, we were in Puerto Rico. So yeah, that gave me the confidence to be like, okay, I think this is, we're going to go all the way here. Yeah. So back to your skinny dipping thing and what happened, how did that even come about and how, I mean, girl, you're on national television with cameras, skinny dipping, the confidence, let me tell Whoops. you the confidence. Well, not, I think I'm like, girl, you should own that. Like the confidence that you have. That's amazing. I don't, I was not that confident in any way, shape or form. And I aspire to be, to just like be so at one with myself and you know, I don't know. And I don't know if that's a truly like what it was, or if it was just the alcohol that gave you the courage. And I, so I wanted <laughs> to ask you like, what, how did that all come about? The skinny that's dipping. so funny you say that, which I totally disagree. I think you have so much confidence and I oh, think well, it's like you. anything else. Like somebody just asked me that on my new year's episode, they said, how do you remain so confident? And I think you are, I mean, I think it is a muscle that you have to learn how to flex. Um, and I think like you doing what you do on Instagram and, you know, doing every, you know, just being yourself, I think that mm-hmm. really makes you more confident. But back then I was 28, I felt good about in my own skin mm-hmm. and I love skinny dipping. Just, I grew up in Arizona, 120 in the summer. We had a pool in my backyard. My parents were out of town. Like skinny dipping was always a fun thing for me, but ABC, I was like, oh my gosh, like they're going to blur it out. Like. I didn't realize at the time how taboo it was because I definitely got slut shamed for it after the fact, but um, we were at the end of the baseball group date in Puerto Rico and we were like sitting there talking. And at that point I felt like, God, this conversation is just like flat. Like I didn't see, like I said, needing to see more from him. I wanted Mm -hmm. to see if he had like a fun side. Like to me, Mm -hmm. he was very serious leading up until that point. Like Mm -hmm. I just had to like mix it up and I was like, God, I, I would love to go swimming or I'd love to go skinny dipping with you. That's something I enjoy doing. I've been to nude beaches in Hawaii. It was like not foreign to me, but uh, he was like, well, let's do it right now. Like, let's just go right now. I'm like, the girls are all sitting there. You were on my baseball team, I believe, right? Yeah, I think so. I actually don't remember, but I remember. Remember it was like, if you won the baseball date, then like the losers had to go home. But like, I think we won. Yeah. Yeah, And so there was like a night portion of the date. So I was having my quiet time with him and 
I bring up skinny dipping. He's like, let's just do it right now. I'm like, we're in a group date. Like we can rip our clothes off and go skinny dipping. And he goes, he's like, yes, we can. Right. And I was like, well, at least to see that he's like down and he can be fun. But then he was like, okay, well, how about tomorrow night? He was having a one-on-one date. He knew with Elise the next day. And he's like, it's not going to last that long. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, so why don't we plan for tomorrow night? So he knew. So, but then I show up to his room, the producers helped me orchestrate this whole thing. And then he acted surprised that I was there. And I was like, we talked about this the night before. So maybe I took it seriously. I don't know where the disconnect was. Or maybe he was just acting surprised because the producers told him to act surprised, you know? Right. But it aired that way. Like, oh, Courtney's like, they didn't see the conversation the night before. So it just showed, it looks like I show up to his room and I'm like, let's go skinny dipping. But uh, it ended up being like a turning point for me because it was probably the most fun I had on the show because that is something that is in character for me. Not so Mm -hmm. much anymore. I'm older and I was a lot younger and more wild then. But um, it was a turning point because I got to talk to him really off camera and we kind of fooled around a little bit out there, which was yeah, also something that I needed. Yeah, I, I well, I get that, especially after. Okay, so did you, how far did you go in the water? And I know you talk about this in your New York Times bestselling book. Um, <laughs> I didn't well, come here to make friends. Yeah, it's a, uh, so Courtney has also written a book. So and then, let me tell you real fast, slide, shameless plug for her book, because I got to tell you that this book, it's it's a New York Times bestselling book. It's called, I Didn't Come Here to Make Friends, Confessions of a Reality Show Villain. And it's far more than just The Bachelor. I mean, there's like celebrity after celebrity that she's dated. And yeah, it's a very, in, it's a very intriguing book. There's a reason it's a bestseller. So if uh, I can tr- link that in the show notes for you, if you want to, if you just like oh, want yeah. a really good beach read, like, or I don't know, winter read, I guess, cause it's winter, but um, anyways, shameless plug over now. Um, but yeah, so how far did you go with the skinny dipping? Oh, it's in the book for sure. It, the tide was very, uh, it was probably not the best time to be doing it, but it was really like, I mean, I was like, had to hold on to him because I was like, I don't want to get sucked out to sea, but yeah, no, I mean, it definitely went down, but it was like too hard to, I guess I'd say like enjoy it. the mission. Yeah. yeah. But I got a, I got a test drive the car. And honestly, was it okay? This is TMI, but was it water? Because I no. feel like. Uh-uh, because I, I feel- like, like I said, I grew up, I mean, I lost my virginity in a swimming pool. Like oh, no I kidding. personally like water is like really sexy to me. Mm. Not so much anymore because you got to be careful. You don't want to get an IT, you know, what is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. UTI. No, I'm saying ITM. <laughs> <laughs> ITM, UTI, same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, it was, it was great. No, it was, it was enough to be like, oh, this, I could work with this. Like, oh, so you were it, satisfied with the, yeah. with the, the car that you were driving. Yes. It was <laughs> clearly he nice was as well. Have- but it's nice to have that like intimate moment. And yeah. out there, he said to me, like, it's you. And now I have to go through the motions. And, you know, I was like, I know what's going on with Emily. And I was like, I really can't stand her, but I get it. Like, and then I think at that point he realized, like, I need to get rid of Emily. Okay, let's stop right here for a quick moment to give a shout out to one of our friends of the show, HelloFresh. Now, I am the one that cooks in the family. 
and breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's very hard for our very busy lifestyle to try to plan ahead, to try to plan meals ahead, which is why I love HelloFresh. Everything is a farm fresh delivery. Anytime that you're looking in your cupboard or your cabinet and maybe you're missing a few ingredients, you can save your trip to the store by using HelloFresh. Now you can, whether you're a gluten-free diet, whether you have vegan or keto or, or what have you, you can customize your orders. You can also get breakfast. You can also choose how many people are in your family for the meals that you have. It's so comforting knowing that I don't have to go to the store to make any miscellaneous trips. It saves me a ton of time. Plus, I love knowing that I have my meals planned ahead, so it's one less thing to stress about. Now, something different that HelloFresh is doing for you is giving away free breakfast for life during the subscription to HelloFresh. So all you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash HMCPFREE, and you're going to use the code HMCPFREE for free breakfast for life, for the life of your subscription. So you get a free breakfast with every box delivery that's HelloFresh.com slash HMCP free with the code HMCP free. You get free breakfast for life. I love HelloFresh. It's our number one choice for meals, uh, especially cooking for kids that are very particular. I love knowing that I have them covered and Jamie covered who's gluten-free and we I don't have to sacrifice any time going to the store. So check out HelloFresh, get your free breakfast, go to hellofresh.com backslash HMCP free and use the code HMCP free for free breakfast for life. All right, let's get back to it. So I should have, I didn't say that, but I wish you would have told me that. Cause then maybe I wouldn't have tried like giving him a lap dance and kiss you know, to try to like fall for him or him to fall for me. And I could have just, he would have just given me the rose instead of Emily as a matter of fact, when I watched, cause the next, I think it was after Puerto Rico was Panama. It must've been right. Yes. Because when I watched, so that's, so when I watched it back, um, I was like, ah, oh, I wish I never did that. Emily made a fool of herself that night. Like I, she would have gotten, why I, she, I would have gotten her rose because you know, like yeah. what's it matter if he has me or Emily didn't, it doesn't really matter, but I made the worst fool of myself. And so that's probably why he was like, this girl's got to go. <laughs> no, I, I don't even think so. I think that like there were negotiations that like he had to keep certain people because of certain storylines. And I think because you were so neutral, you know what I mean? They, they, they were like, you have to keep her because of this beef that's going on with Courtney. They told, wait a second. They told Ben that they had to keep me. But no, yeah. I'm just saying, no, like with oh, in Emily. general, oh, with the leads, like there are certain people that they, they that make makes, them keep because it's sense. these storylines that are forming, but like you were so neutral, like there wasn't anything ever crazy going on with you. Right. To um, keep me, which is why I'm like, how did he, why did he give me a rose? Maybe because it was just maybe easy to be around me. I, I can imagine for him, it would be very intriguing to talk to Ben. I almost have this weird thought to like have him on the podcast. He doesn't do a lot. He's like super private doesn't. now too, especially that he got married. I just think he wants it like all to be in the past, you know, but really I asked him to come on mine and he, and he was like, what? I have no respect for my girlfriend. And cause we're cordial, like we're, we're totally fine. There's no bad blood anymore, but yeah, I just don't think he wants to, I think he's just like, that. that's all gone for him. Okay. So speaking of that going out, so obviously you win the show, the bachelor, you won his heart and then you're really put in the media. I mean, you're the most, I mean, whoever wins the bachelor tends to be the most like talked about just the, like the it girl for a 
until basically the next season of the bachelor happens. Yeah. I don't feel like it's really like that so much as it was when we were on the show. Like when we were on the show, you were the it girl and you guys were on the cover of magazines and Crazy. I don't know if they still do that anymore, but you're definitely at the cover of people, right? I'm pretty certain. Yeah. We got the sidebar, but like I, so the media, I was the villain and which was odd because normally they don't pick the villain and yes. engage to them. Yes. So that was like a very rocky tumultuous time because I lived in LA and I had like paparazzi following me around everywhere. I was on the cover of Us Weekly, uh, like Man Eater, Shameless Seduction. I can just like mm -hmm. remember the captions, like the main story for about five weeks in a row. And mm -hmm. I I wasn't prepared for the backlash. Um, it was it was it was crazy. But yeah, and we were trying to make the relationship work, and he's seeing it airing, and he's ch like kind of changing his opinion of me. So like we were like, we had had happy couples. We were trying to make the relationship work and we had really everything kind of working against us, but we were able to stay together for about almost a year after the engagement. Yeah. And so then it fizzled and you didn't end up making it, you know, to I do, but you wrote your book and that was soon after, but that, that was definitely pretty soon after, right? That you wrote your book. It became a New York times bestseller. And you were telling me when I was, so side note, Courtney also has her own podcast, which I'll be sharing later, but, um, it's, uh, remind me the title of your podcast after reality, after reality. Okay. So Courtney has her own po podcast after reality, and I was just on hers. And so, uh, I'll put in the show notes, what episode that is, or unless you know, right now, Courtney, uh, what episode yeah. that's going to be. I, Do gonna, you know episode I'll, I'll have to text you. I I've got a couple okay, of yeah. backlogs, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be coming out soon. Okay. Yes. So I will put the episode that I was in, um, where Courtney's interviewing me on her show after reality in the show notes below, she was telling me on her show that, that after your book came out and it was quite like, it was a very sensational book, a great read. I gotta tell you, it's full of juicy details. Thank you, Jamie. One person in particular that was maybe a little thrown off by it, Mr. Ben Flanick himself. And so how did that go with, and did you, and did you get any, I mean, there's a lot of celebrities in, in there. So did you get any other feedback from any of your other exes? Yeah. So, so, you know, to walk it back a little bit after Ben and I broke up, I started dating Ari Leindyke pretty quickly. He reached out to me. I was in Arizona hiding from the breakup and the paparazzi and I started hanging out with Ari and somebody took a picture of us and sold it to, for a lot of money to like TMZ. And oh, we should have never left the house. It was so dumb of us. But anyway, so Ben was livid that like really added insult to injury about our breakup. And then I remember he went out and he did like a interview and, and he said something like, you know what? I should have listened to the girls. And to me, that was like, that was the moment when I decided to write a book because I felt like at times, like he did not treat me well. Like he wasn't what they painted to be this like successful bachelor. And, you know, I was flying myself up there the long distance and it was very much like I was living with a bachelor. Like he had two roommates. Yeah. So, but like, he was not very nice to me towards the end of our breakup, little stuff like that. So for him and he knew me so well, like for him to come out and say like, oh, like kind of go back to that narrative when he was just probably hurting. I was like, I'm going to write my book. I'm going to tell my story. And so I started the process then. And I remember telling Ari and uh, he's he's in the book, too, as well. But um, so, yeah, he was he was not happy. And he reached out to me, said, I heard you writing a book. And I said, I'm going to take the highest road possible. And um, and then the it was went to publish. It was our, the books were already printed and 
the galleys were going out and things were starting to get leaked. And he wrote me a scathing email that was like, I can't believe you're about to publish all this because I talked about our sex lives. I talked about my romances leading up to going on the bachelor. I felt like it was a, an important part of my story to like, this is why I went on. I was dating Jesse Metcalf. I did go out with Adrian Grenier and Jesse wasn't happy either, which he, he did say some things like, I don't want to help her with her book sales any more than I have. Um, but you know what? He should have put a cork in it because I I really protected him in the book. There was a lot more I could have shared. And then like Adrian Grenier, he, him and I, we weren't like serious, but we had a friendship for a while. And he came out and said, I love it when people tell the truth. Um, so yeah. yeah, but it was he so vulnerable. To, I was yeah. going to say, he wouldn't have anything to complain about because I feel like it was a pretty... I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure every girl is like, wow, I wish I had had that experience with him. You'll have to read the book to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. It was a glowing review. And um, yeah, yes. Yeah, so then a few years later that, that we didn't talk, he was so mad at me and I get it. It's my side of the story. It's my truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, it probably didn't paint him in the best light, but like I said, I tried to take the highest road possible. But it was your was- story and that's just your experience. And so whether or not it's painted in the best light, I'm sure he would have his own story and it wouldn't paint you in the best light because it's his experience yeah. and that's, that's life, you know? Um, but and I tried to be, keep it neutral. Like I was like, this is what I could have done better. You know, yeah. I left town abruptly the day his dog died because I just was like, uncomfortable. just like, there's a lot in yeah. there, but I wanted to give fans like a well-rounded of like, this is what it's like behind the scenes of the show. This is what it's like after the show, because you see these people that make statements of like why they broke up, but they don't really now with podcasts, people are slowly starting to be like, well, this happened and that happened. But back then it was really before Instagram, there were no podcasts. So Mm -hmm. it was the only way I could kind of share my side of the story. Um, but now we're cool. So he reached out to me, like we didn't talk for about a couple of years, reached out to me on Christmas ladies text from your ex. He reached out to you on Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I think enough time has gone by like, you know, water under the bridge kind of thing. But like, would you want to meet up? And I was single at the time and I was kind of glad to hear from him because I, I was like, I was the one who wrote the book. So we ended up to meet up in Santa Barbara for new year's. And so it came together pretty quickly. And it was like, kind of like this, like, wow, like, Let's get together. We stayed in a hotel together in Santa Barbara. This is many years later. And it, we had that connection. Like there was chemistry between us. There were things like that we went through together that most of the population would never go through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not every day you get engaged in Zermatt. So it was a really special weekend. And I think I I thought we were going to try to rekindle things, but um, ultimately we didn't. And then I met my husband. Wait a minute. So that's a lot to unpack right there. So I know. Maybe, sorry. I've no, talked I about it a little it. bit here and a little bit there, but it was really nice to just like put a bow on it. And I yeah. was also struggling at the time. Uh, I probably didn't, I wasn't over, overly honest with him, but Ari was, his season started airing right around that time. And <laughs> we had a history. So yeah, um, whatever happened with Ari, because it seemed like you guys yeah. really could have hit it off and you know? We did. We were on and off for years, but he was just, you know, these guys come off the show and I said, I've said it all the time. Like the fan base of the bachelor is like 95% women, women. Yeah. and they get so much attention. And I think it's just so hard for them. They're good looking. It's so hard for them to be serious about one person. So like we, he was always just like a fun thing for me. Like we had a friendship. I, 
I realized like after Ben came out and like kind of badmouthed me and I was getting so much online hate that it was probably not going to work out. So we had fun for a while. But then like if I'd come home for Christmas, like we'd kiss here and there, like hook up here and there. But um, and I was in a two year relationship in L.A. So I was always like when that time was on, like we would just not be in touch. So but then before Ari went to film, he and I had started dating again and that's like, oh, I've talked a lot about that on my podcast. I'm so happy for him. He's married. He's got three kids. But it was really hard for me because it was so public and so in, in my face when he yeah. became The Bachelor. And like we had just been really like, like he's like, if we were going to do this, like I really want it to be it. Like I really want to, you know. So, yeah, that was hard for me. So do you feel like if he hadn't become The Bachelor, I mean, I know this is hard to say, especially because now you're married with your husband and your children, but do you feel like yeah. there's a chance that if he hadn't become The Bachelor that you potentially could have ended up with Ari? It felt like it was trending in that direction. It did. Yeah. And, uh, really and and he was approaching me as that was the case. He's like, you've given me so many chances. Like if we do this, like I really want it to be it. Like he, he was ready to settle down to his, you know, going on the show. Like he was definitely ready, but so then I meet up with Ben and I'm like, this is so wild. And I remember I told Ari and he was kind of jealous, but he was, he had already filmed the bachelor. I was like, guess who I spent new year's with. And he's like, please tell me it wasn't Ben. And I was like, yeah, it was Ben. Uh, but he was already engaged at that point. So. Oh my goodness. That's so hard. Right. When it's just interesting that he decided to be the bachelor. If he had a flame with you, I just find that very interesting, you know? And, well, they, and then the show asked me to come on to vet the girls. Cause they knew that we presented as like, we're best friends. Like we have a close friendship, but like what went on between us, like only him and I know, mm -hmm. um, when the wins and all that kind of stuff. And like, we really formed a deep connection. I think a, because we were on the show, but like, we were always very loyal to, to one another. And he always had my back where it's like, Ben kind of turned his back on me when I was the villain. Like Ari celebrated that. He's like, I love that about you. Like he reached out to me. It was like, I had a crush on you on your season. So um, he just, oh, I don't know. I just like, yeah, like it was like a weird dynamic. So I think it was kind of interesting timing too, that Ari was becoming the bachelor and then Ben reached out. Um, yeah. So, so, okay. So, I mean, that's, I'm sitting here like, I'm like, sorry. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm loving this, all this like backstory. Cause I'm like, I, I'm, I feel like obviously it's just, so, it's just fascinating this whole bachelor world. And when you're taking a step back and then you see all these things that are happening and these are like, not necessarily behind the scenes, but these are things that are happening after you've watched the show and you're like, after reality, yeah, <laughs> after reality, uh, that's exactly it. So mm -hmm. it's so fascinating though, that, you know, that you and Ari had such a, I feel like that's got to hurt like on some level. I mean, you said yeah. like when you just watch him and also like, why wouldn't, were you ever asked to be one of the girls on the show? Like he could have chosen you. Did he, cause he is with the girl he chose, isn't he? So he Mary? did a Jason Mesnick. So he picked a girl, then broke up with her on camera and then went back to the girl he didn't pick. And now they're married and they have twins and, um, a daughter Yeah, and she moved to uh, Arizona. But, um, I think it was like, it hurt more because a, it was so in my face and people knew how close we were and like, they didn't really know what was going on between us. So like I got asked constantly about it yeah. and they did ask me to come on to vet the girls. Like they're, they're like, Oh, you're his best friend. Like we want to fly you in and like, you can meet the girls. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I know how this is going to look. It's going to like show up. Like they're all going to get pissed. Like, why is his ex here? And yeah. I, so I told him before he left for filming, I said, they asked me to come on. I said, I just want to like to, to meet your girls. And I said, I just want to, you know, I'm not coming down. Like, why would I go on a show to date somebody that 
that a show that was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had PTSD from that show for so long. Like, I'm not going to come down there to date somebody I'm already dating. Yeah, I, I kind of wish you did just hearing your oh. story. I kind of wish you did. Well, when he came back, this is the real kicker. He said, I kind of kept hoping that you would show up. I'm like, you're engaged. I was like, get out of here. And he was still kind of flirty with me then. Like, cause I think he was like thinking about making the switcheroo. And it was just weird. Cause we always had this wow. like kind of physical connection. Like when we talked, he'd get very close to me. And I just remember just like getting up and like taking a few steps back. And I was like, I realized before he left for filming, he was like, I just realized I was never going to marry you. And I reminded him that he said that. And I said, anything that was lingering here flew out the window when you told me that. And he's like, well, I just kind of say things in the moment to make it easier on the person. So I don't know what he was playing at, but all oh, I knew is I was done. Good for I you. Was, I was all done. That, because a little part of me was like, oh, like you guys had such a special connection. It sounded like, and then, but no, he we did like, God bless him. But he sounds like he was at the time. I'm sure maybe he's not now, but a bit of a playboy and you dodged a ball. Oh, he was, he was yeah. playing. Yeah. He was playing. He was playing other girls too. And like more came out after, like came out to the press afterwards. And I was like, you totally lied to me about that girl. Like little, like it was just messy, but like we were both single. I was dating other people. We, I think the the hardest part for me was like, I knew I was going to lose a really dear friend. Yeah. And also like he, when you do feel like you're best friends with somebody and then there is that romantic element, it feels like almost like a betrayal when it doesn't work out or because you're like, you know, everything about me. And it just, it hits differently. Oddly, I have in my book, I wrote a wifey one-on-one and I, it's interesting you say that. And I kind of, I feel like no one gets that dynamic unless <laughs> you're so sweet. You're so I love your book. I read it in a day. I know um, you're so sweet. Uh, she, for those of you listening, she just like panned my book over, but, um, <laughs> um, so I like had this very, like I, a connection with someone who was 18 years older than me. It was never going to work out, but like the love was there. Like I really loved him. That's what I mean. I'm not like I did. Yeah. And then, but you know, it's never going to really work out, but that doesn't make it less painful when you're trying to move on. So yes. I can just, so I just, I guess I have a heart for you with that, but I'm happy that you found Humberto, uh, because, and also like, how did you find your husband? Like, tell me a story of how you found your husband and, and just all the things I know that you became a realtor. Are you still a realtor? I do real estate. Yeah. I do that full-time still here in Arizona. So if you're looking to move here, holler, I've actually helped people that knew me from the show that have just slid into my DMS that have moved here from like, we call them snowbirds, like from Milwaukee, but, um, yeah, it's nice with the kids. It kind of allows me to go at my own pace. And now mm-hmm. I'm doing the podcast, but my husband is just everything to me. And I, I, it's like, they say like, God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Mm-hmm. And I think I had dated another guy that for two years in LA who was an addict and he really put me through the ringer, um, treated me poorly. It was the one that I got, I say, I got stuck on stupid and mm-hmm. we probably broke up like eight times within two years. Like, mm-hmm. but because I've been through all those situations and not even Ben, like I would look back and say like the Ben experience was great. My first boyfriend of seven years taught me how to love. And I, that was the hard breakup for me. Cause he was like family and we grew up together, but, um, yeah, I can really appreciate my husband. Like I, I just treat our relationship like gold. I would never do anything to jeopardize it because it took a long time to find him. We waited until we were older. And so I slid into his DMS. Um, oh, you slid into he, his DMs. 
Yeah, he's not a big Instagram guy. He got it in like 2017. He's so cute. He doesn't really do much on there, but he had been liking my photos for like two years and I didn't realize he knew like we both grew up in Arizona and he knew there's a girl from the show. And so he's like, you'd pop up in like my uh, feed, like my popular page. And so he'd like my stuff. He didn't even follow me here and there when I popped up. He's just like, I just thought you were funny and I had a little crush on you, but he would have never DM me. But I finally wrote him. I was like, hey, like I saw he had liked a few photos. I'm like, have we met before? And then we went out three days later and this is like, I know it's so cliche, but like, I just, we both say we just knew instantly. And it's the sort of thing. I didn't know if I believed in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I had gone out with some really great guys that had some really mm -hmm. great qualities, but like, there was just things about them that I was like, I can't imagine like the spark wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And this guy, I was like, I can't, I can't wait to see him. I want to see you tomorrow. And all the stars aligned. And it was funny. It was like, you know, I had you on my podcast and it, it it's totally a different scenario about like when getting pregnant and like, just mm -hmm. not think I had surrendered to the fact that like it might not be in the cards for me. Like I really was losing hope as to find that person that I felt like was the one for me. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, I don't even know if that's a real thing that people talk about. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not, I, it sounds crazy, but I finally felt like, okay, there, there he is. I found you. Oh my goodness. That's so sweet. Or it doesn't sound crazy at all. It sounds super romantic. And, and I am a romantic, but I'm like, Oh, it's just like, he's like, it's like, I found like piece of my heart, you know, like the other, my other half, I found so, my other half. What was it about him that, that made you feel like that so quickly? So many things, the qualities that I like. So I, I mean, I had lived in LA and I had been dating in Arizona for a couple of years. And honestly, I was thinking about moving back to, to uh, LA. I was just like everything, like his, his upbringing, his lifestyle. So like he had traveled, he had lived in, New we lived in New York at the same time. He went to law school in New York and yeah, I mean, of course I was physically attracted to him. That's to me, that's very handsome. Yeah. That's the easy part. Right. Like, yeah. but take that out of it. Like, I mean, on our first date, I had actually gone that day on our first date to look into freezing my eggs because I was 36, 37, 36. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I don't want this to be a thing that pressures, you know, cause old, mm -hmm. it, older guys date a lot younger girls, especially these days. Mm -hmm. Um, and I told him, I just was like, at that point, like, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to start hanging it all out there. And I was like, I'm going to just ask you, do you want kids? Like on our first date. And he's like, oh, it would be a non-starter for me if I went out with somebody and they did it. Um, so we really had like those conversations about like, what do you want? Like it was like, I was like, oh shit, this is a date. Um, <laughs> but he had such a confidence, which is really attractive to me. Mm -hmm. He could walk the walk and talk the talk. He's a prosecutor. He's got a little edge. He's got tattoos. I'd never really. Yeah. He's That's a criminal exciting. prosecutor. Yeah. And like he was well-spoken and the thing, honestly, he asked me questions about me. I had yeah. been on so many bad dates, Jamie. I know you've been married forever. You probably don't remember this, but like you'd go out with somebody and you're like, oh my God, they didn't ask me one thing about myself. Like he genuinely can carry like a, uh, kind of an equal exchange with people. Like he actually cared about what you had to say and it wasn't all just about him. Yes. That's amazing. It Yes. It was just, we just hit it off. And and he said at the site, we were at this like dive bar. I didn't get dolled up or anything. I wore Converse. He talks shit to me. He's like, oh, you wore Converse, but he liked it. I, I was <laughs> just like, I'm not putting a lot into this at this point. And I got up to check the Suns game, uh, the score of the Suns were on. And he thought that he like, like there were things for him. If you asked him, like, he'd be like, oh, like, I really like that quality about you. Cause he had dated some pretty, pretty great people, but 
had also never told somebody I love you. Like he, oh, he wow. was a play, he was a, you know, he was a player for at some point. And so, um, but he had been doing the work on himself. He had been making changes. And so at I, as soon as the Ari thing happened, I was like, I got a life coach. I Maria cooned off my place. I got rid of anything that reminded me of exes. <laughs> like I was like, whatever I'm doing, is that working? Like, and it was kind of nice to hear that he, he was ready to kind of, you know, stop yeah. doing that too. And so then I feel like the rest is history. I know that you had your son yeah. Joaquin on June 19th, which is four days after my birthday, by the way, so I'm the 15th. Uh, yeah. So we're Gemini. I love Gemini. Yeah. Um, so you had your sweet boy on June, in June 19th, 2020, which not for nothing, 2020 is obviously everybody knows the pandemic and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So real fast, how was that for you? This is your first baby and we're in a global pandemic. Uh, what was your pregnancy? Like, what was your delivery? Like, like how were, how, how was that for you? Gosh, even just getting furniture and going shopping for the nursery yeah. and nesting because everything was shut down, mm -hmm. um, was tricky, but, um, it was, it was, I had both my babies during the pandemic. I, I labored with both my pregnancies in a mask. Um, and oh we, we weren't allowed to have people visit us at the hospital. And I, I just remember with Joaquin, um, Umberto, like the, we, he came so late that the kitchen was closed and like, it was a sort of thing. Like we didn't know if he left the hospital to get food, if they would let him back in. Um, it was wow. just a, a really weird time. All the nurses, everybody was in masks, but the laboring in a mask was hard for sure. I couldn't um, even imagine. But I think for me, the hardest part navigating was like being a new mom and then like bringing the baby home and like people wanted to come see the baby. And at that point it was still like early on and we didn't know what we kind of know now. Mm -hmm. and like letting, like feeling like that postpartum and like wanting to protect your baby. And then like, yes, you know, like they were like the vaccines, I think we're just starting maybe. Um, but that was tricky, especially with my daughter Paloma. Cause she came early, she was tiny. And oh. I just remember being in the hospital and they were coming around to check on her. You know, it's like a rotating door at night when they come in and there's mm -hmm. this lady came in she sounded like she smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. She didn't have a mask on. And she's like, touching Paloma and it was still scary. I'm like, she's, she yeah. was four and a half pounds when she was born. And I was That's like, Hey really ma'am, I'm like looking at Umberto. Like, I'm like, Hey ma'am, can, can you please like, are you, can you please put a mask on? Like, can you, and can you wash your hands? Like she's tiny. <laughs> so yeah, but it's, uh, now it's nice. Um, and also I would say the visiting of friends, just being, having COVID at the time, you know, certain people, we're very COVID conscious, which I totally respect, but like mm -hmm. a lot of, like, I still have friends to this day that haven't met my kids. Because of the, because <laughs> of COVID, like, because of yeah. the restrictions. It just changed that. the diet. Yeah. Especially yeah. after, I mean, people yeah. weren't visiting as much. So it was very isolating. Yeah. I, so I had my son in May of 2020 and I ended up doing a home birth because I was Good for 25. you. Oh golly. It was something, but I was just, I was a labor and delivery nurse. And so and I was also in New Jersey. I feel like it was at that point, it just, I don't know if like the fear of the media, I don't know what it was, but in New Jersey, they took it far more seriously because we also, we, we had just bought an investment property here in Florida. So we were touring Florida, looking for this home to buy in Florida. So we we're going to make it an Airbnb. And I remember my sister-in-law was like, Jamie, like all the nail salons are closed. All the bar, like, there's no, like, she's like, what are you doing down there? Like everything's closed up here. And I'm like, everything's closed. Like in Florida, it was like, just mm -hmm. was not taken as seriously at all. And so then when we get home and I like 
start like seeing the media at home. And, and of course I saw the media, like I didn't really watch the news a whole lot. I feel like the news is just filled with negative things. And so I just didn't, but then I started like becoming addicted to the news and I'm like, Oh my God, I think our son could die. Like, I mean, it was just, like, I was having anxiety. Time. I kind of got to the point where I was like, I have to stop watching the news. Like I, know, I, I, I started having like panic attacks and I'd never really had full fledged panic attacks, but I've learned that a lot of that is like postpartum, like hormones yeah. and stuff. But I was like, I told my husband, like, I'm like, we have to stop watching the news. Yeah, no, I, I'm a hundred percent there. My husband still watches the news all the time, but I'm like, okay, uh, I'm just not going to, but one thing I wanted to ask you is that now that you're, you're 40 and you are due with your third baby, which I'm oh, so yeah, people excited can't for you, see, but it's a oh, big belly. <laughs> we do share on YouTube. So if you want to see, it's, it's a beautiful belly. You look, you look, Oh, you do. Funny. Okay. I can, I'm, I'm trying. If you see me moving around a lot, it's cause it's hard to kind of get comfortable. <laughs> well, how far along are you right now? I'm about 23 weeks. Oh my goodness. So you're, you're a past the half stage. So that's amazing. Yeah. I can only feeling? sleep on my back for one more week. They say 24 up until I love sleeping on my back. I'm good. Really? I, I'm definitely a lot more tired this time. I think, cause I have a three and a two and a half year old. Um, no, I'm sorry. Three and a half year olds and a two year old. but, uh, it's definitely a more, you know, it's just so similar. It's very subtle. I'm just a lot more tired. Yeah. I get that. Um, I can imagine like, you know, having two toddlers that you're chasing, plus you're working and yes. then also growing a whole human in your belly. So yes. I wanted to ask you, cause I know that you were transparent about having two losses. I'm so sorry to hear about that, you know, prior yes. to, um, prior to this baby, uh, what did you, you know, we are trying to conceive and I told you a little bit on your podcast, how I'm just like almost at the point where maybe I should just you know, throw in the towel and give it all to God. And, and I think, I don't know, that's, I'm just figuring that out for myself, but I wanted to ask you, like, did you do anything special to help you have this like sticky baby dust where you got pregnant and you didn't, you know, this baby is, is, has stayed. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, so I did have two early miscarriages. I got the positive test. I think it was about eight weeks and then I mean, I had all the symptoms though, and I, I'm sorry. I know you've experienced that as well. You know, you get so excited at, you start thinking about like, oh, I got, I'm like, I got to buy a minivan. And you know, my husband was so excited. So I was really fine with just the idea of two. Um, but I always did want a big family. And my husband was really like, I really want another. And because I'm 40, I was like, well, it's now or never. And mm -hmm. I'd had two losses, um, that leading up to me turning 40. And I said, okay, if it doesn't happen, like around that time, like, I think I've got two healthy babies, like, let's just shut it down. And, um, but, and he's very much of the school of thought of like, let's not put pressure on it. Like no charts, like no mm. checking anything, but I will say like, there would be times where I'd be like, I'm ovulating this week. Cause mm -hmm. I have that like pee tracker mm -hmm. and you could just feel it as a woman when you're ovulating, like you're a little bit hornier and mm -hmm. <laughs> there's like diffs discharge. Sorry mm -hmm. if that's TMI, but no, no TMI. <laughs> it's true. You, you know. And so I will say that we had like a lot of sex, probably like at least every other day to me, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you, know, when you have two kids. <laughs> exactly. Like we really, you know, I did the whole legs up over my head mm -hmm. thing. Um, but I really just didn't do a lot. Honestly, I stayed off my feet. I, I, I love to lay in bed and when the kids nap, I try to nap. I watch my shows or I'm emailing guests for the podcast or mm -hmm. working on that. But with all my pregnancies, I would say that like in the first, like around that time, I, I did a lot of loafing around. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but, um, 
I just think that there's a lot to be said about being lazy in that time period. I wouldn't even call it lazy, honestly, because I, I totally agree. You just want it to like cook in there, like get cozy in bed. Like, yeah. And, and like, I saw it on Instagram, which I know isn't like the best source for, uh, like statistics (laughs) or whatnot, but, um, but someone was saying that when, by the time a woman like you're at max capacity as a woman, as a human being, like even for even men, like while you're growing a human. And I feel like the first trimester in particular, it's just all consuming. And, and it's interesting. You you use the word lazy, probably because you just came out of your first trimester and you probably felt that way. And it's so sad. I had so much guilt and I'm like, I just, I'm so hungry. I ate bagels, ramen, pasta, pizza, you name it. I just was like, but you still feel guilty. And right. I mean, I don't know if you had that feeling. No, a hundred percent. And it, it, it's so interesting. Cause hearing you say it, I want to be like, no, like you are allowed because you're growing a human and like, give yourself that grace. It's so much easier to say that to someone else than to like afford that for yourself, you know, but it's so true that you're really growing a whole human being. So if you did nothing else for the whole nine months, and not for nothing, you have two other little ones. So you're taking care of two little ones. Yes. Plus you're growing a whole human being. If you did nothing else, mm-hmm. that is remarkable that in and, of it, in and of itself. And then on top of it, you're doing your podcast and you're doing some, you know, uh, you're selling some houses. Some days I, mean, I might just get up and take a lap around the block. That's my victory for the day. Honestly, like I, I know that sounds crazy, but I've really been, especially because I am older, I've been more concerned this time. Yeah. Um, well, you I just been. Two I call it like, yeah, and I call it light duty. I had a friend of mine who was like, "Hey, like she just had a baby shower in LA and wanted me to come out for it." And I just was like, I, "I've really worked as I've gotten older at like setting boundaries and saying no to more." And I, I, I really like at the holidays. I still am recovering from the holidays because we just had so many social gatherings and there's a lot of pressure to make the holidays special and the to- bleeding money. That's another part of it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I just said, no, I can't come out. I, I I'm not leaving. I'm not getting on a flight until this baby comes and maybe not even probably not for a while after that. Right. I just, I don't like to be over-programmed as is. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's any correlation to that, but like, you know, I just think that staying off your feet and is yeah. a good thing for for when you're, when you're trying to get it sticky, is that, yeah. is that what they call it? Get it to sticky. stick and stay. Yeah, no, I think that makes perfect sense. And I just totally hear you on the boundaries thing. I yeah. had a friend recently and she had a birthday and, she, and it wasn't going to take much, but I just, I had, I think that also it's really hard with people who don't already have children, like friends yes. who already have children. And they just like, they're like, I give you plenty of time to find a babysitter. And I'm like, it's not even about that. It's like, right. it's, it's, I know I could have found a babysitter and I'm sorry. I couldn't make it. But if but you don't want to do it either. Like why do something you don't want to do? I just don't do yeah. anything. I don't want to do really. I mean, there's such with apart from like certain things like, okay, if you have to go to a service or, you know, who wants to go to a you know, funeral, but like there's certain things I just, I'm like, okay. And my husband knows that now. And yeah. he's luckily the same way. He's like, we, but it's also like, I love our house. We spend a lot of money on our, on our house. Our home is like our sanctuary. It's mm-hmm. also just easier with the kids to keep them in their routine too. Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly it. And, and when you don't overextend yourself, you have like the mental capacity to just like, to be able to do just what you need to do. But when you're overextending yep. yourself, you can barely do what you just need to do. And you have yeah. to do it because you're raising two humans depend right. on you, you know? And so oh, totally, I met up with some friends the other night and it was late. And I was like, I felt bad. We're always the first to leave the party. 
and they uh, none of them have kids and i was like and they kind of like oh come on it's all you know it's only eight o'clock i'm like here's the thing the fun part about kids is they're getting up at six o'clock no matter what yeah 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 and, <laughs> and if they're not i always say you right and, and my son's been coming in my room and i'm like i just always say you can't pour from an empty cup so it's like and even the next day i was tired because by the time i got home and relieved my mother-in-law and got ready for bed it was like way past our normal bedtime and uh was tired the whole next day <laughs> and yeah and on top of that you're growing a human being which I, I know that that I don't know I don't I don't feel like women get enough credit and enough grace for that and I think it's partially our own fault because we're I don't know when this happened where we're where we think that we have to be able to do it all all the time and then that we can and that we should well no actually like no one can do it all Rome wasn't built in a day and you know we have to give ourselves grace but um it's easier said than done I I'm, I know but I think that's amazing that you have those boundaries and you're able you to have to yeah and it's easy to like um kind of lose sight of that sometimes like even scheduling with podcasts like people and I'm always like yes with that that works for you but then there's days where I'm like oh that's really gonna not work for me I like just even professionally just trying mm -hmm. to to be better about that so and also to be respectful for Umberto because you know if I'm doing this then he's gotta somebody's gotta pick up the slack over here yeah with the kiddos uh, I'm we're literally in the same exact time we are but like in different States. I wish you were my neighbor. <laughs> I was out in the man cave where, Oh, me too, girl. I would love to be mom friends with you. I feel like, and we already know each other, but I was out here recording late the other night and he brought me a cup of soup and Aww. I was like, can you bring me some soup? You know? Aww. And he brought me dinner and it's just so nice to be, that's what you, I got a good one. So did you, Doug was so sweet and helping you get all this the set tech up. Stuff podcast. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. You know, you have a good one when they take good like they care about you, that they actually want to take care of you. They want to help you. They want to help see you succeed. I mean, that's when, you know, you have a good one. Well, I am so happy for you. I don't want to keep you. I've kept you for, for quite some time oh, now. Gosh, anytime yeah. I'd be happy to come on anytime. It's like I said, it's so isolating when you become a new mom. And that's kind mm -hmm. of why I started after reality. It was, you know, my kids, I started listening to a lot of podcasts and I'm like, I've realized like, I haven't had an like adult conversation in like two days. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm watching Sesame Street all day. So I started listening to podcasts and I was like, this is so refreshing. So, um, but yeah, anytime you want to chat, I would love to dive more into parenthood on mine as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just, like we focus should... on a specific topic, but you know, I don't have a ton of mom friends yet. I'm still trying to find my people. So it's nice to be able to connect with you. Honestly, I am in, truly in the same boat. I was telling you earlier that pickleball has helped me and like and being a room mom at my daughter's school, I met some good friends that way, but it is hard to make a friend when you're an adult, like, and right. unless you, and even it's just very hard, like, cause you know, when you're younger, you go to school, you're in sports, or even yeah. if you're not, you're still in school with the same people. You, you it's just easy to become friends. Right. But if, especially if you're a working at home or a stay at home mom, it's very difficult to see the same people to develop that kind of friendship. And so yes. I mean, I even thought like, maybe if I go to church and so I'd go to church, but like it's once a week and it's for like two hours. Like I, I, I didn't make any friends. Like it's, it's, it's difficult, but well, um, yeah. And it, it's like a lot of like, it's like dating. Like I've gone on mom dates and play dates so that like, yes. you know, there's one mom I really liked, but then like, she never reached out to me again. And then I'm like, Oh, maybe she didn't like me that much. I thought it went well. It's like, I love yeah. you, man. Um, but it's also like my friends that like my built-in friends that I've had for a long time, some of them don't have kids. And so like, mm -hmm. sometimes I don't have childcare that they want to hang out with just me. 
but it's mm-hmm. like, if I bring the kids, it's like, you can't have a fluid conversation where right. the beauty of hanging out with other parents with kids their same age is like, they can kind of play and, mm-hmm. and you get it like you, okay. Yeah. Like they're going to be coming up asking for stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just be all about that one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that makes it challenging. Yes. I hear what you're saying. Oh my gosh. So loud and clear because that's, I'm in the same exact boat and I'm just hoping also to find like even just one, like just one yeah. solid mom friend. I don't need 10. I just want with one. the same sense of humor oh, with the, yes. Well, you yeah. can always call me. Call yeah, me if you ever same. need anything. And well, let's, let's come back on each other's at some point. Yes, I, definitely. I've loved chatting with you. Paloma's going down for a nap soon. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to nap. I'm going to lay You're down gonna nap too. Good for you. You deserve it. You've, we've been talking to each other for uh, like two it's hours been, now. It's been great. Now I don't yes. need a mom friend. I'm going to go kick my feet up and I want you to too. I'm going to be holding all the positive thoughts for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and we'll definitely have you back on for everyone listening. Where can they find you? What is your favorite platform of choice? Um, I love Instagram. I do reels and I just have fun with it. It's kind of like a scrapbook, but that's usually where I'll promote my new episodes. Uh, so it's my handle bug Robertson. I don't know why I got it. It's my nickname, but, uh, and then I am after reality with Courtney Robertson, anywhere you you get your podcasts and I have an episode coming out every Wednesday. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, great. So I'm going to also link all of those for those of you listening. I'm going to link it all down below and Honestly, I, one thing I wanted to say about Courtney before I, just to wrap this up is that she was considered the villain, but I've got to tell you that she has been so good to me over like the years that I've known her. So not only did she, um, like introduce me, I remember when your book came out, Courtney, she introduced me to her co-author. I don't even know how we got on that topic, but, um, I love, I loved her book. We were meeting in LA over, I don't even know what. And you I said, think I saw you on married at first sight. And I reached out to you. I was like, you should write a book. I, or I, I we were somehow talking about it through yeah. social media, maybe. Okay. Like, I got yeah. the person for you. Yeah. And I think, yes. And I just remember you introduced me to dibs and I absolutely love, she's both of our co-authors and I wouldn't have had her. And she was such a monumental part of me writing this book. So I wouldn't have had her if it wasn't for Courtney. And so this villain on TV actually is like such a, you're just such a great person. And not even that, but I remember when I was in LA and I was like promoting my jewelry line and your book had just come out. So I'm sure you were very busy doing, you know, all just things. And you came to this event that I had where I was sharing. Yeah. And you really like made the time. And I'm like, you know, I don't know, people like that are hard to find in this world. So to just, I just wanted to thank you for being you. And I'm sure you had, you know, I have to, I was the funny story is I was the villain on my season of married at first sight. So, you know, I I can see it happens. It it happens. It happens and that's okay. I think the villains are more interesting anyways, I guess. I don't know. know. Villains are going to vill. And you know, and then the, what's the beauty of it these days is now you can have your podcast and you could write your books and you have a, sh- you have a chance to share the behind the yeah. scenes and how things come to be. And I never blame the edit. I did, I'm responsible for saying some pretty sassy things, but uh, the way it was maybe packaged, the sausages made is not always how it, it seems. <laughs> yes. 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 I, and same here. I've never blamed the edit because I, those are, I take accountability for all my actions, but yes, it's just been so refreshing to talk to you. And I just wanted to say like, you know, thank you for being a good friend for all those years. Anytime. And- like I said, call me anytime you're in a pinch, you need anything. And I would love to see you in Arizona. Maybe we'll get the, get the girls back together. We'll go that visit be- Casey. 
That would be so, so after fun. this baby we'll comes, I'm going to plan like a, like a something in the sun and chips and guac and maybe some rosé. Oh, I love that. Margarita sign me yeah. up. <laughs> oh gosh, Jamie. All right. Well, you go enjoy so your, you. it's so good to see you too. You go enjoy your nap. And, uh, for everyone listening, I'll have all the details to find her right below. We'll talk to you soon, Courtney. Bye. Thanks Bye. girl. Isn't she just a fascinating person? Like you can tell that she has been burned a little bit and she's a little like reluctant, I think to, to share, but that was just such an interesting conversation. And honestly, my heart goes out to her because I feel like us women after becoming moms, we men so much don't, I don't know why or how, but they don't tend to be as isolated, but we do tend to get isolated. And so she's got two at home, plus she has one on the way and she's a working mom and it's hard. It's hard to find your people when you are used, like when you're like all of my friends that I were, that I've been friends with since before Doug, I don't think any of them have kids now. One does, but now she lives in Italy. So, and we're just not together. It's just hard to find your tribe. So if you're out there looking for your mom friends, I mean, join, join, join all of us. Like why can't we all just be neighbors and be friends together? Um, but yeah, Courtney's just so interesting. And I'll, like I said, I'll have all everything in the, in the show notes for you with her. But one thing I said at the top of the interview was that I was going to put out a question box on my Instagram page. So anything you wanted to know, I would answer your questions. And then her and I were just so caught up in conversation that I completely forgot to pull that back up. And also she's like super pregnant and was talking about she wanted a nap. So I'm like, I'm not going to keep her, but I wanted to answer some of your questions because I like to stick to what I say I'm going to do. I'm going to do. So um, K hold five, you said, who were your closest friends on the bachelor on your season without a doubt? Um, and I shared this also in, I know I can't remember which interview cause we literally did. I did an interview for her on her podcast and then she did an interview for me on our podcast. And so I don't remember if I shared this story on which podcast, so I'm sorry if this is redundant, but, um, I thought I was friends with this girl, Emily O'Brien. She was like one of the girls on on my season. And I thought we were friends. Like I really did. And when I went on women tell all, she acted as if she like, didn't even know me. Like she acted like, I was like, I thought, I really thought we were friends, but she acted like she didn't even like, like acknowledge me really. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And so all of that's been like, I mean, that's over a decade ago. And so it's all water under the bridge. It doesn't even matter anymore. But you know, when they say that, how someone makes you feel, you'll never forget. Like you'll forget what people say and do, but you'll never forget how they make you feel. And that saying is so true because with Emily, she made me feel like, like our friendship and like in the, I didn't even really matter. And I don't think that she meant it. Oh my gosh. She did not probably not mean it at all, but like, that's how I felt. And so I've always been very careful to try to make everybody feel important and loved and special if I can. And if they are, you know, because because that's so much more important than, you know, all those words. I mean, she, she told, like I, she talked and acted as if we were such good friends in the house and then we don't have each other's, you know, numbers to communicate after the, after the show. And so then I see her at Women's Hello and I'm so excited to see her. And she like, like I, she just was not as excited to see me. That's for sure. So, um, that was kind of hurtful, but, um, Casey Steamer, who we talked about, who Courtney and I both talked about, she was a mutual friend of Courtney's and mine. And she is just salt of the earth. Great people. Like she's just a great person. She was a great woman. Then she's a great woman. Now she's was the kind of person that 
can be friends with literally everyone. Like she was friends with everyone in the house. And she was even friends with Courtney, who was the quote unquote villain and no one liked. And somehow she was able to be friends with like everybody. And I just love people like that. So she was probably, I would say one of my closest friends and we've kind of lost touch over time, but that's okay. And then there's another girl, Brittany, who I really liked. She was kind of eliminated early on. So we didn't become as close, but we have met up in LA after and she's doing well. And I feel like that's, I really didn't become close with anybody uh, other than, you know, really just like Casey Steamer was like just one of my favorites. And then Emily, you know, I thought we were close with guys and we weren't, but anyways, okay. Love Matt 81 says, don't you find it gross that the bachelor suite is a sex romp for three different people in three days? Um, I'm not even sure what they mean, what love Matt 81 like means by that. But I mean, I do find it gross that we're all dating the same dude and like making out with the same dude. I don't know if everyone's having sex with them. For three different people in three days. Oh, he's talking about the end of the show. Yeah, that is, you know, very interesting. But like at that point of the season, so what what, what Love Matt 81 is talking about is that at that point of the season, you know, like three people, they get like overnight dates or whatever with The Bachelor. And essentially he could sleep with all three women. And the thing about that is, is I would like to think that usually at that point he kind of already knows who he's going to be with but I guess he could and the interesting thing about that is that man I like like would the like I don't know if it was me at that three night stay thing he's not having sex with me at all maybe he wouldn't end up choosing me then because of it but he wouldn't be having sex with me and I would be like if you're having sex with someone else I don't want to be with you then like I don't know like you're just because you're the bachelor doesn't mean that you get to go be like a man whore and I'm still gonna be like oh you know but I think that that's the thing with the bachelor is that they take everything away like your cell phones you have no we didn't even see like a magazine or like a newspaper I remember when we saw a newspaper uh we were skiing and I can't remember what city we were in maybe Utah and we were so it was like a ski slope area and there was a newspaper left at the suite like for the for the guests for the nice people and it was us and I was like this is the date and this is what's going on in the world like I mean you really had no idea what was going on in the outside world and so um the bachelor can be like this this like I mean just really this like pedestal like made person like you know just so you get a little twisted um okay marina arbutina she asked how far did you get on the bachelor i think i made it six episodes in of the bachelor and then was got the boot and then mama brunel's asked if she married him and no she did not marry him misty lynn said not a bachelor question but what color is your lipstick love it thank you misty um it is uh I think it's called Tender and it's by LAC Matt and it's literally like $2.50. I've linked it on Instagram a bazillion times. It's in my Amazon storefront too. So if you go to amazon.com slash Jamie Otis or Jamie N. Otis, I should really know that better, but um, you can find it there because I just link all my favorite things in my Amazon storefront and the lipstick is literally $2.50 and it's such a good lipstick. I love it. Megan Gary three said, what was the most surprising thing from the experience? I think the most surprising thing for me is that, um, geez, I, I just like all of the TV stuff and how it's made and like how they can truly like manipulate your words in the aftermath, like in the editing. Um, just, that's just very fascinating. And then Megan also asked, did, did you cultivate real connections with Ben and the other ladies? Um, 
I definitely did not get a real connection with Ben. I tried to, I thought that I should, because like I said, they took all that stuff away, like all the, the, all the magazines and all the, um, like there's nothing of the outside world. So like, he's just put on this pedestal and you're like, I should love him. I'm supposed to love him. Like everybody loves him. All these girls are like fanning over him. This is all about him. I got to love him. And I really wanted like true love and true family. So I was trying to make it work thinking this could be it. Like he's clearly here for that too. But I was so young and so naive. Like, I don't know that he was really there for that. I think that, I mean, maybe he was, but I didn't get the vibe. So yeah, definitely didn't have a connection with him. Does And then Lauren asked a really great question. This one is fascinating. I probably can't read all these questions, but let me just um, read a couple more for you just because I wanted to stick to saying, you know, I was going to respond to some of your questions. But um, Lauren said, any of you still talk to Ben? And I haven't talked to Ben. I actually find it fascinating now that I talked to Courtney because she said that she is still in contact with Ben. And I would, it would be just so intriguing to talk to him and be like, what did you really think of me? Because, you know, I mean, I was just so weird and awkward. And I remember at one point he did say, you know, you're just here for the girls. You must just be here for the, like the friendships because I was really like, even on group dates, I never really paid much attention to him. I think I was very scared of being rejected by him. Like, and when I say, I think, I mean, I know I was very scared of being rejected by him and feeling like a fool. And so I just tried to stay like low key, like under the radar. And I had zero confidence that he would ever even choose me. Like, I did not think that that was even an option at all. I was like, let me just try to like, see if I like, I don't know. It was really weird. Um, I did, I didn't have very much confidence. So I haven't talked to Ben in forever, but I would find it interesting to talk to him now and just see like what he thought of me. And I mean, there was zero feelings. It's, you know, it wasn't, he had zero feelings for me and I had zero feelings for him even though I wanted to have feelings for him. And I wanted, like, I, I even said, like, during this, like, kissing scene, that's, like, quite embarrassing. If you want a good laugh, and you, if you didn't know I was on The Bachelor, um, uh, Laura K. Kohler said, I did not know that you were on The Bachelor. Some people still don't know that I was on The Bachelor. Sammy's girl, 5590, she said, I just saw where Ben just got married. Is this true? And yes, he did just get married. Apparently now he's off the grid, is what Courtney said. But, um... But yeah, and then Meredith Lynn, she said, what was more fun, Bachelor or Bachelor pad? Old school fan here. Uh, girl, you go way back because, yes, I was on the Bachelor pad as well. And it's interesting, Courtney was never on the Bachelor pad. I find that interesting. But um, I should have asked her about that. Like, why didn't she ever go on any of these other shows? But um, I was on the Bachelor pad as well. And I don't think either of them were fun. I don't think fun is the right word. I would say if I was in a different mindset and if I had more confidence in myself and just learn to just relax a little bit. Like I was so serious. I've always been so serious. Like my husband has been so good for me because he's the complete opposite and just goofy and fun. And I've always just been so serious. And so when I was on the bachelor pad, super serious, I really thought I would find like someone who I could fall in love with and have like that fairy tale romance with. And I feel like that was so naive of me, but you know, not for nothing. Maybe it wasn't because I mean, I thought the same thing for Married at First Sight and look at it, it did work. I, it took a ton of work, but it worked. So I guess it, maybe it wasn't that naive. Um, did Courtney hear about your infamous kiss? Um, I'm sure she saw it. She asked me if the, the, my dress really ripped and I was like, no, that was just a sound effect. My dress actually didn't rip during that infamous kiss. And then last question is Kirsten Polky. She says, what's the food options on the show? Do they provide stuff to cook or take out? 
the food options are amazing when there's food. Usually there's alcohol first. There's always alcohol morning, noon, and night at any time that you want any alcohol, you can have all the alcohol you want on the bachelor. I am, that is not an exaggeration. That is 24 seven. There is alcohol in that show. And occasionally there's more alcohol than food. Like the, the, the alcohol will be flowing and then the food's coming and you know, like, so it's very easy to just get tipsy and drunk on that show. Um, but yeah, so uh, I would say the food options were always really good though. We were always staying at like really fancy suites, really nice hotels. And, you know, usually they would bring like food, like hotel food to us, but it was always delicious. I mean, you really couldn't complain about the food on the bachelor. It was delicious. Same thing with the alcohol though. It was all like top shelf and yeah, they, you know, did not spare any expense when it came to making sure that we were tipsy 24 seven, but yeah, so I don't, without keeping you, I know this has been a longer episode, but I hope that you found it interesting. Um, and you know, I feel like I'm finally getting back to having some vibrancy in my life. Like I just have felt, as you know, for the past few years, like after I had Hendrix, I really went through just like this awful postpartum depression and anxiety and, just probably like overworked, like just, we were just traveling and I don't know, just doing, focusing on the wrong things in life. I don't think I would say overworked. I would say focusing on the wrong things and not having good boundaries and just like spreading myself too thin. If you're watching this on video and I have something in my teeth, please forgive me because I did just eat a beef stick, like trying to have a bite in between. Um, after the interview, I just took a quick bite, but Um, yeah, I, I, I just feel so much better now. And so I'm excited for the podcast and I'm excited for the future. And I wanted to ask you if you wouldn't mind shooting me a message about who you would want to have on as a guest. I mean, anybody and everybody, I will reach out to anyone. Um, but I'm just curious who you would be, who you would find fascinating to like learn more from or hear more from. And if you have any questions for, for me and Doug in particular, uh, please shoot us over you know, any questions that you may have, and we're happy to answer them. But um, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this one. And as we say every single week, we love you. And we thank you for being here with us. And we'll see you next week. Bye.